Today we are going to be talking about King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Snatched, and The Wall. So stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. And with me today, Uh I have (laughs) Joel John Cena Cunningham. I like it. (laughs) I wish I were even half of what John Cena is physically. I'm not that much of a physical brute, I guess. You you're like six seven. You weigh like two hundred fifty pounds. You're you're kind of like I'm not gonna. I don't want to go into detail on this, but I got weighed the other day for like the first time in a really long while, and okay. I was like, nah, I'll be yeah, I'll be good. I was like twenty pounds more than I expected. Well, it's because you got real buff, huh? I did get really buff. Yeah, yeah I think it's you know as I'm getting older, I'm getting more buff. buff. That's what happens, right? <laughs> buffness comes with age. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. It's definitely not fat. It's no. buffness. Yeah. Buffness. Yeah. So well, I am here with Matt. Last at the name Baghdadi. <laughs> <laughs> That's my nickname for you today. People aren't going to necessarily catch that reference because it's from a, an upcoming show. <laughs> it's an upcoming yeah. TV show. Yeah, we were watching the trailers for some of the upcoming lineup. It's called The Brave. And that one's called The Brave, yeah, and they named the guy. It's the, like Batty McBagdaddy. <laughs> it's really bad, too. They they named the bad guy from the Middle East, last name, or Bag-daddy, first name, yeah. Baghdaddy. I don't know like, if they did that. Maybe that is a common name over there, but I don't know. It just sounded like, it's the really bad, it's like Bad McBadster. Yeah, you I, know? Don't, like, I don't think it works very well. John McTerrorist, that's his name, you know, so yeah, awesome. Yeah, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> there you go. But, um, and we'll talk about John Cena here in a little bit, but, but before we get there, um, if you've never had a chance to listen to our show, we are The Real Review, where uh, it's kind of the convergence or the collision, if mm-hmm. you will, of two two perspectives. You have the, the fan perspective when it comes to film, which is more like what I am, a little bit more emotionally driven, more yeah. like, hey, is this going to be fun? How is this, you know, is... It, and those things combined as it outweigh for yeah. me it outweighs a lot of like little critical like right. things and stuff like that then you have your side which is mm-hmm. more of the critical side the more of the critic side yeah um which is more critical yeah maybe a little <laughs> bit more uh negative and nitpicky right. at times yeah it's like the emotion and the technical sides of things but you're we both have a technical and emotional sides to our reviews yes yeah, so you just lean yeah. more one way and i lean more the other way yeah, as i lean more as right those, yeah and you, I, I lean more, more like backwards back southeast yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that yeah <laughs> There you go. Anyway, that's kind of how that works. But um, Joel, yes. why don't you uh, tell our listeners how to get connected with us? For sure. For sure. So we have a couple of different ways you can get connected to the podcast. Um, obviously, we have a website you guys can check out, which is realreviewmedia.com. Uh, we're always posting a lot of really cool content on there. And then additionally, we have all of these social networks that are popular and are uh, in existence right now that most of you yep. are probably a part of. Uh, we have our Facebook page. We have our Instagram page. We have our Twitter. Um, all those can be found at Real Review Media, which is the at Real Review Media. Specifically, Facebook is facebook.com slash Real Review Media. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is at Real Review Media. And so we're always posting a lot of really fun stuff up on there. So it's good. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's and we'll probably stuff. have a lot of good things to be posting in the next couple days as they're announcing um, all the different releases of the shows that are coming out um, for the different lineups for 2017, 2018, right, Matt? Yeah, it's kind of cool. Exciting times to see see what uh, chances 
you know, TV networks are going to yeah. take on yeah. things. Or not take. You yeah, know, you're like, getting well. Canceled, so. <laughs> or they're like, yeah, let's renew CSI for a 30-second season. Yeah. And you're like, we're not taking any chances. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to renew that. <laughs> yeah. I should give that show a stop shot, but I, I just no interest. I watched yeah. it when it originally came out back in like 1992. Were you no, like 12? Yeah. It was late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Know, something like that. Yeah. Anyways, so let's dive right into this because I have a lot of opinions about this first one and we're actually going to go ahead and talk about King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Awesome. Now, I had a chance to see this and you did mm-hmm. not, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, so uh, for those of you who are, who are not familiar, this is kind of the general synopsis. It is robbed of his birthright. Arthur comes up the hard way in the back alleys of the city, but once he pulls the sword from the stone, he is forced to acknowledge his true legacy, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> and this is uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. Uh, he also helped do the screenplay, but then you also have Charlie Hunnam, Astrid uh, Burgess Frisbee, Jude Law, and Jimon Hansu. I, <laughs> sorry, man. Eric Bana and uh, Freddie Fox, Aiden Gillen, and Craig McGinley, and lots of other people. Yeah, it's some good, some good talent. There is actually yeah. some really good talent. And let me say this: on Rotten Tomatoes, it's floating around to twenty-seven percent. Wow, that's pretty, that's abysmal. That that's, is really bad for even for Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Yeah, it's really bad. And it makes me feel sad because this movie is a lot better than that. Really? Yes. So why don't you tell us, I guess then if you want, a bit about like why do you think, maybe talk about the good and the bad, but also mention why you maybe think that they're giving it such horrible rating. Yeah. If you have any thoughts. Yeah, I could go that route. Um, I think the the thing to take away from this movie is it's, it's, first of all, you got to go into it realizing it's a Guy Ritchie film. Yeah. Which is, he has a very specific style, Mm -hmm. very specific style. He's, he's, and he's, he never really deviates from that. He's kind of got that little, like you can tell it's a Guy Ritchie movie. And, uh, it comes from like the quick witted dialogue and, and the banter and the humor that ensues from the dialogue and how, how the storytelling happens in a nonlinear format during the story, during that banter and and dialogue. And it works so well in this movie. This movie, I was actually having a really good time with it's, um, it's fun, exciting. It's visually, it's, it's actually not that bad. I was expecting most of the CG to be really terrible, but it wasn't. Yeah. It was a little bit, in a couple of scenes, but for mm-hmm. the most part, I thought it was really well. Charlie Hunnam was the best that I had seen him in uh, since Small uh, Sons of Anarchy. Okay. I mean, I haven't seen him in a movie that I've been really, really impressed with, but I thought he was really, really good as a Guy Ritchie, King Arthur. Okay. Um, as far as the story is concerned, it it uh, maybe fell flat a little bit, but I, I bought into it for what it was. Um there are some really cool elements, and I think the Guy Ritchie-isms are probably one of the biggest highlights of this film. There's a scene specifically at the beginning that reminds me of like uh, Lockstock or like Snatch from way back, and, mm-hmm. and it's like this banter, and yeah. you're like, you're like, <laughs> and like, there's moments where you like barely, you're barely keeping up with the editing. Yeah, you can understand sometimes just what they're implying less than you actually understand what right. it is they're doing or saying because it's just so quick and. Right. Witty back and forth, yeah. But then they give you a second to catch up and then you laugh and then to go back into it again. And that those little moments are really, really good. And uh-huh. I, I was really, really impressed with it. Um, also, they they spent a lot of time, and, I, and this is kind of a good and a bad for me. Mm-hmm. 
they spent a lot of time, obviously it's called King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Yeah. They spent a lot of time with the sword and like how powerful it is. Right. And I didn't know this, but there's like, and I think it kind of creates its own mythology. Like it was, Excalibur was forged from like part, a part of Merlin's like staff. I didn't know and that. And that's why, I don't know if that's like, Okay. True to the legend, though. So I think it could have been a Guy Ritchieism that they. It just might did. have been. I've never heard of that. So I was I'm, like, "That's kind of cool." Not so super familiar with the Arthurial legend, right? And a lot of it, a lot of it reminded me of of Lord of the Rings. So on the positive side of the sword, it made the sword super powerful, but only this bloodline could use it, and that's why Arthur and his father could use it. I gotcha. And so, whenever he like embraces a sword, and Charlie Hunnam takes the sword and like grabs it with two hands and essentially like activates it. There's like this <laughs> sound that happens. It sounds like, like a, you know, an, a blacksmith like hammering a sword and it's like, <laughs> and it, it's, it actually sounds kind of cool in the it, way that works. I but think it, what you're saying would, you'd have to see it. It sounds kind of silly to me, but right. I think if I saw it, maybe it would come across a little better than what you're explaining it. Right. So here's a, <laughs> it's like it, a lightsaber turning on. It's like, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's But what here's the thing. It makes sense because, um, it reminds me of this game called uh, Shadow of Mordor, which okay. is a, a Lord Video of the game. Rings yeah. game. Yeah. And whenever you like, you know, you've charged up enough power, and you can use the special abilities with your sword, <laughs> you like it, like makes that noise. Why would it make that noise? Why wouldn't it make like a or like some other random? <laughs> okay, listen, I would not be intimidated if somebody was holding a sword and he activated and it goes. It's like, it's like a, a bird chirping or like yeah. a baby crying. Wilhelm scream. Yeah, exactly. And um. <laughs> anyway, so the way that happens, it's done really, it's it's really cool in the movie, but like it's super powerful. Like he's not yeah. only, it's it almost is if um, he, he kind of like becomes a flash where he's super fast and everything is in slow motion. Okay. And you see these scenes happening and those are pretty sweet So like scenes. focuses his attention to the point where everything seems like it slows down. Right. Or something like but that. But it's also super powerful where yeah. he's swinging and like dude's 20 feet away just like explode. Oh, so it's like Sauron. Yeah, you know, exactly. That that's yeah. a lot of it is very reminiscent of Lord of the Rings, yeah. and I think that works. I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. The only problem with it is, and I think it kind of goes hand in hand with some of the Guy Ritchie isms. He's not always super linear in his storytelling. He right. wants to make a point in telling, uh, um, you know, the legend of the sword as the movie progresses, as yeah. opposed to getting the legend of it up front. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because the beginning where he pulls the sword out of the stone is is almost meaningless and weightless. It didn't feel like this is an epic like, moment. Yeah, you expect it's going to happen, just happens. Right, kind of a there wasn't any buildup to it. Right. But it wasn't until like towards the end of the movie where you get like all these flashbacks and, and, and things that you're like, wow, this is really a big deal, Yeah, you know? And I wanted it to be like, I wanted the moment when I was seeing, watching the trailers, I wanted the moment where he's pulling the sword out of the stone for it to be like, oh man, this is a crazy moment, you know? Yeah. But it wasn't, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, you know." But um, I, that's, does it make a sound when he pulls it out? Does it make like a? <laughs> it makes it makes a Joel <laughs> activation sound. sound. It goes, it goes, John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but other, I mean, other than that, I, I, Jude Law's in it. Yeah. He's really good. It's not like this. He's a, he's a bad guy, and he's not he's not overplaying it too. He's you can tell that he's having a good time doing it, and it was very it, it was just very good, believable as this like evil guy. Yeah. Um. And there are some really cool CG elements with some creatures in it at some other points. Yeah. But um, other than that, it, the story wasn't as deep. It felt a little long, too, towards the end. Okay. 
Um, and I was kind of like, yeah, I went with my dad and he, he, we left the first thing he said, it was kind of long. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was, it was a little bit long, Yeah, but I, I thought it was kind of just a fun movie. Nothing, right. nothing deep, but it was, it was enjoyable. Uh, so that would be one aspect that maybe some reasons for why it's not, I, I don't know, the marketing wise, it felt, it felt very much like they were trying to go with this epic, almost emotional type feel Maybe that it didn't feel very fun. Okay. I don't know. I, at least in my opinion, the, the trailer came across as a lot more epic. So maybe critics kind of felt like they were lied to in the trailers a little bit. It's possible. I, I you know, I would like to think that, uh, you know, uh, critics would go into something a little bit more unbiased. But right. I, I don't know. So what what would you say in regard to that in in particular? Do you have any thoughts and as why maybe a critic would go in and say this was just a bad movie? Is it a style thing? Because it, it there is generally a a level to which most action movies in Hollywood and critics will just kind of always default that to like a B C ranking. You know what I mean? Like it's very hard for an action movie in and of itself to become a higher echelon critic approved favorite type film. Right. You know, I think, I think the biggest thing is there's King Arthur, that whole legend is just, it's not a draw. Hmm. I think there's not a draw. I think people don't really care <laughs> about yeah, it. I, I wasn't have an looking forward to that really ever yeah i just kind of decided to go see it um and i think the other i think the other thing is that people i think guy Ritchie's styles is polarizing mm-hmm. um like there's not like a lot of middle ground i think people like it or, or hate it yeah and i think a combination of a king arthur story mm-hmm. that's directed by guy Ritchie is just gonna split a lot of people and it just happened to split a lot more one way than the other yeah um but other than that I, it's not it's not a great movie i won't i won't say that but it was it was decent mm-hmm. and um i feel kind of bad because it i feel like it's gonna it's gonna dampen the reputation of maybe Charlie Hunnam or maybe uh, even though he I thought he did great in the movie yeah um or Guy Ritchie for that matter I, I thought it was decent movie mm-hmm. um not near it's 26 percent I said 27 earlier but it could have been I, I, I it's not if I had to personally rank it I'd give it a 70. Okay. I think so I think it's way off <laughs> oh, wow that yeah. that is a lot different yeah compared to what they're getting on the ratings wise how would you say uh, his thing about Guy Ritchie is he most of his films are very real. Mm-hmm. They tend to be very like, um, although the dialogue and the back and the forth, there's a very witty, quick, fast-paced style to it. He doesn't incorporate and include things like magic and you know legends and otherworldliness yeah. type you know ideas into his films. Yeah. As far as I know, this is the first that he's done something like that. This is his first kind of uh, dive into that. I'd say the closest he got was maybe Sherlock, but right. that's not even like no. the yeah. same thing. Yeah, so, so how do you feel like he did with adding those elements? Do you feel like he handled that well? It was realistic? It, was, it wasn't It was silly? Well, you know? it's, I mean, it's a fantasy film, right. you know, so it's right. not, when you talk about it being realistic, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know, but realistic in the film's narrative, right. you know, the verisimilitude. Aspect. It did. Yeah. It fit the the okay. story. Well, I thought it was awesome. Like, um, in the way whoever was holding Excalibur defeated the person that like, that was fighting mm-hmm. with magic. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. It felt very satisfying. The action stuff. Yeah. Um, and it felt like, yeah, all right. You know, I was kind of like, <laughs> you get him with that magic sword. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, um, yeah, it it fit well. Uh, I I think it's just a style thing. I think people have a hard time with this style. 
the fantasy element. I liked it way better than Warcraft as far as a fantasy yeah. film is concerned. <laughs> see, I didn't see Warcraft, but I heard a lot of bad things about it. So Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. That's 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 my review. I give it a seventy. Um it it was it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I, I should maybe I should say it was it was all right, maybe a little better than all right. Yeah. And um, I feel bad. It made fourteen million dollars this weekend, which is nothing. It had a hundred seventy-five wow. million dollar production budget, and wow. it's probably the one of the other than monster trucks, one of the first certified bombs. Yeah, that's intense. <laughs> wow, that's going to be a pretty nasty bump for them to move over. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. we'll see. I'm I'm sure it'll probably do a lot better in the home movie market. This yeah. seems like the kind of film that a lot of people would rent to like watch over a weekend or something like that. It's possible. But either way, that's still pretty intense. Yep, yep, it's yep. A pretty big loss. Well, that is it for uh, the review of King Arthur. Now, Joel, you yes. got to see a movie that I did not get to see. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm sure you're extremely prideful because you got to see it and I didn't. And I'm probably very envious, correct? Yeah, you should be super envious of this, Matt. <laughs> I think the, what's the movie that you saw, Joel? Uh, we're talking about a little film called Snatched. Um, it's not a great film, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me talk a little bit about. It. There was some okay. There was some not so great stuff. Uh, so this is a comedy. Um, it the synopsis for this is when her boyfriend dumps her before the exotic their exotic vacation a young woman persuades her ultra cautious mother to travel with her to paradise with unexpected results uh it was directed by jonathan levine it was written by katie dip Dippled? I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce her last name there, but uh, it also stars primarily, I'm going to just say Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn. Sure. Uh, there was a pretty large, you know, secondary cast of people um, that kind of showed up at different times. Uh, the two most prominent side characters uh, was probably Wanda Sykes and Joan Cusack. Um, that They both played a pretty funny kind of, I don't know, how do you explain it, uh, side adventuresome characters. They, characters. Yeah, and yeah. then her son as well, Goldie Hawn's son and Amy Schumer's brother uh, is played by Ike Barinholtz. Uh, he plays a guy named Jeffrey. And so in talking about this film, here's what I'd say. I think that as far as R-rated comedies go that I've seen this year, mm-hmm. this definitely wasn't the worst one that I've seen. Okay, um, yeah. awards yeah, for yeah, not being the worst awards one. Being, <laughs> um, it wasn't, it wasn't also... Um, a bad, like a bad, horrible, awful film. Like, I'm not going to say like, this is one of the worst films of the year or anything like that. I think really it just didn't totally. So maybe I should start with some of the good stuff. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Give us some of the good. Yeah. Some of the good stuff. I think in a way there was some kind of, it it was intriguing. The idea of it, like the presentation of the idea of these two ladies that are both kind of like very, you know, city folk type ladies, very not used to going to a world like this in South America um, and kind of fish out a water story. That element I did like. So I had your interest to some degree. Yeah, to some degree, the interest of like that fish out of water story kind of did have my interest. Um, And I think as well, the relationship between Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn at times was very... uh, I don't know how to explain it. It was fitting. It made sense. It felt like an honest relationship between like a mom and a daughter um, that would exist in the real world. Oh, cool. So I think they did a good job catching that dynamic of the relationship. Outside of that, though, there wasn't a lot to grasp onto with this story. I think the other thing I would say about this film is that if you are a mom and a daughter or a daughter or something, I think there's going to be more elements in this film that would 
you would connect to. Okay. I don't think I'm the target audience for this kind of film. <laughs> okay. There is a, a semblance of like, you know, the mother-daughter aspect that kind of does play out in the film. And not just because it's Mother's Day. Like that is there. I don't think they did it just because of Mother's Day. It just, it added to the film in a, in a good way. It created a little bit of an arc in the relationship between Amy Schumer and her mom. A very, 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 very minor one. Okay. So it was like, you know, they went from A to B. It wasn't like they went A all the way to F, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's like, so they were this or they were that. And um, I'd say in a lot of ways, that's kind of where the good parts end. You know, the, the very beginning of the film, and they've been doing this more often now because I think a lot of theaters, it's just they're not doing as well right now, but they put those little previews before the movie so instead of like the don't copy you know don't download illegally da, 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 they have like their their stars from the film say like hey thanks for watching this in theaters it's gonna be great you know really? what I mean thanks for, yeah so I've seen twice now oh, weird. the movie that we're talking about after this which I really? saw as well did it and then this film um, yeah Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn were both there talking saying like hey thanks for watching this in the theater it was really fun to, thanks for joining us and supporting you know the industry and so they had like two jokes in that opening scene and I didn't laugh at either of them. And I was like, this is a bad start. This is a bad yeah. sign. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, this is a bad sign of things to come. And one of them was like a really gross sexual joke with Amy Schumer. And I was expecting that because it's kind of Amy Schumer style. She makes yeah. like really over the top, like sexual kind of jokes. And I think we talked about this in in the prior podcast when we talked about in the coming soon, which Amy Schumer, to me, can do a decent job acting. She's mm-hmm. believable in the roles that she's taken. I actually liked her personally in Trainwreck. I thought she did a good job. I didn't like the film, but I thought she did a good job with it. And maybe that is kind of maybe a little bit of a strength to this film. Um, it's not So it's not doing like horribly awful right now. It's not getting like the most amazing ratings. Um, 36% to me, Rotten Tomato made her 34% of viewers, um, which is interesting to me because I felt like it was bad, but it wasn't like... Like I said, it wasn't like the worst movie I've seen all year right, bad. Right. You know, well, you thinking maybe forties, fifties. Yeah, like a critic pretty cut, and we'll say. get to like my like my yeah. rating on it. But you know, more middle range right, bad right. than like awful yeah, bad. Yeah. yeah. So um, dip it down into King Arthur territory. Yeah, exactly. What's going on? <laughs> so um, I don't want to talk about necessarily too much of like the actual plot elements because there's really not a lot there to be honest. I mean, they go to South America. Everything is like flagged. You knew exactly. You know exactly where. And that's one of the main problems I think that I will get into with the humor style. They were. We talked about this in coming soon as well with the humor, and it was very evident in the trailer that they were going for this kind of like shock humor style, mm-hmm. and not even necessarily like shocking as in like I can't believe you would say something like that. That's so disgusting. Right. More of like they try to put your expectations here mm-hmm. that they're going to go this way. And then they go there. Like the person's like, no, there's no way I'll ever go. And then somebody's like, you should go. And then they're like, okay, I'll go. Like, that's the joke. Really? You know? And they did like, there wasn't even like an exact scene like that where like Amy Schumer, I think the one scene that kind of made me laugh a little bit more than others was when her boyfriend breaks up with her. Okay. That's kind of like the funniest part in a way, because it's just, it's kind of sad and depressing, <laughs> but it's very like real in a way, not like real, real, but it, it just, it felt very funny the way that the whole thing was handled <laughs> because she's expecting one thing. And that was kind of the first part that I, I kind of laughed a little bit at, but uh, to go back to what I was talking about. So Amy's kind of trying, or Emily, who's Amy Schumer in this, Amy okay. Schumer's character's name, Emily, uh, trying to convince her mother, Linda, to take this trip with her because it's a non-refundable trip that she purchased for her boyfriend who dumped her because his band is becoming super successful and he feels like, you know, Amy Schumer's not going anywhere. She's just living this very bland life. She gets fired at the beginning. And so she's kind of going this trip as like a, like a screw you to her boyfriend, but also as like, I'm going to, 
you know, like I'm going to make use of this and have fun and just be that person that just goes out there and does stuff. And her mom is like this worrier and stuff. And so like, and you know, she's going to go, but like, you know, Emily's trying to convince her mom. She's like, you should go with me. I bought this non-refundable ticket and let's do this and let's go. And it's like, it's build up, build up, build up. And yeah. then she goes, well, no. And then you're like, oh, cause you were expecting her to say yes there, you know? <laughs> and then finally she does say yes and goes with her, but it's all humor that kind of like falls in that same line. Um, there was a couple moments that were just a little bit ridiculous to me that they were kind of trying to, I think, sell a little too hard. Um, there was a scene with like a tapeworm that I don't really want to talk about too much. It's okay. really, really disgusting. Oh, that stuff freaks me um, out. Yeah, I'm, that's like one of my pet peeves. We <laughs> talked about that. Like, I don't like the idea of like living things being in like inside my body or something. <laughs> like, um, like life. Yeah, like life. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, I don't know the relationship. I'll talk about this. Some between some of the characters was a bit off at times and a bit weird. I didn't like her brother. I felt like her relationship that Goldie Hawn and her brother had together was at times really um, scary and kind of off-putting. Really? Yeah, he almost came across like he was like in love with his mom, which was like, yeah, which was like a little too much for me. Like you can go to the point of making a a mama's boy. That's fine. But like, don't like literally almost have him like be in love with his mom. Right. Um, there was the the other thing was like everybody in this story, this chain of events came across as being very inept in a way. And it, I think the funniest interactions that I saw the entire time. So like Jeffrey and Goldie Hawn and Amy Schumer. Um, so Jeffrey is Eek, Ike, sorry, Ike. They're eek. all trying, Ike, yeah. They're <laughs> all trying to get the federal government to actually come down there and like rescue them after they've been taken hostage. And that situation was actually kind of funny. The way that he got taken, they got taken hostage was actually kind of realistic. And there was kind of some funny stuff there when they first get away. But it was very funny, but also very unrealistic as far as the way that the State Department kind of treated them mm-hmm. throughout that process. Like these are women that have been kidnapped by people in a third world country and are being ransomed. And their their solution is like, well, whenever we find them, we find them. When they get in contact <laughs> with us, they'll get in contact with us. So it's kind of funny in a way because, you know, they're like the red tape and the, yeah. you know, how that would kind of play out. Um, the thing that I didn't like is it, it felt like everybody in the movie was completely inept except for um, Goldie Hawn and Amy Schumer's character. It, it felt like everybody in the entire movie were just complete morons. <laughs> and they would all do like these, like I needed somebody to be, I would rather have had Goldie Hawn and Amy Schumer's characters be the idiots in a way, if that makes sense, where they are kind of like constantly having these stupid things befall them because they are the dumb people. Right. Whereas it was like they were just innocent bystanders that were doing all these okay things. They needed to work on their relationship, but all these bad things keep happening to them because everybody around them is horrible people and stupid people and inept and everything like that. And that's not that funny because you're just getting little snippets of each character. Like every once in a while, somebody will hop in, then they'll do something stupid and then they're gone. Right. You know? And so you're not connecting to anybody long enough to really build up a sense of like why that would be funny that they're just stupid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So that really didn't leave much to me. Um, I do like Joan Cusack. I think she's hilarious at times. Yeah. But the one thing that I love about her that is like the funniest thing is her, the way that she talks, the way that she interacts with characters. I just think of Jesse from Toy Story. Yeah. Well, it's (laughs) so like um, a really funny movie that I'm a big fan of is uh, Gross Point Blank. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. She's in that movie. And she is so hilarious in that movie because she plays this kind of like receptionist lady that also is like really intense at times and she's like (laughs) there's just like a couple scenes in the movie and it's all about her dialogue and the way that she says things and they in this movie they literally 
they literally tell you that she's a special ops person that cut out her own tongue. Oh my god! And so she has no dialogue in the entire movie. Oh my god! And I'm like, that's one of my favorite things about Joan Cusack. It's just her hilarious dialogue. And so Wanda Sykes plays kind of like her assistant in a way, like they're buddies and they're kind of on this trip. And she was special ops, and they go on these like crazy trips together. And their relationship was kind of funny, um, but it, it like removed any semblance of like me getting the good things out of the characters right. that I would have liked. Um, I'm trying to think about some other. The story arc was just really flat. You kind of knew exactly where it was going to go from the beginning to the end. The very ending, again, I'm not going to spoil anything. Nothing that matters, but was really, really obvious. It was like, and not only was it obvious, but it felt, not that it needs to be unmanipulated, but it felt super manipulated. Ah. It's like all these sets of circumstances just happen to like line up and just, and I'm talking about the very, very ending, like when they're finally like getting capturing Goldie like getting Goldie Hawn out and everything like that it it was like literally like oh that just happened that way and that just happened that way and that just happened to go that way and it just literally felt like okay well we need to wrap things up so we're gonna just have everything <laughs> serendipitously just happen in an exact certain way guys we're running out of money and time here that's what so it literally felt ahead. like it literally felt like it well we're out of time we're out of money so how we need to wrap this up uh, let's just have everything go a certain way alright cool you know what I mean yeah so it's All like right. the big bad guy shows up at just the exact <laughs> moment they decide that they're gonna it's just really silly and kind of awesome. over the top they they. I, I think they were going for kind of the a, that making that a joke in a way that okay. it's like it kind of turned out serendipitously almost as like oh that's ridiculous how everything just worked out that way but you know, it just, it felt stupid. It felt manipulated. Um, so I don't know what, what, what I say about this movie more. I, uh, I really don't honestly know. Okay. I okay. Laughed. Let me yeah. ask you this. Yeah. How was the counting down from 100 scene? Cause the only thing kind of giggled that in the trailer. Yeah. I, that was the problem is I, I'd seen it, you really? know, and I kind like, of knew, knew it was, it was coming, coming. So it wasn't that funny. I think it would have been funnier if they had actually done something like, all right, we're going to count down from a hundred. And then she shot him. Yeah. Like, because then, then it would have been like, Oh, like you saw that in the trailer, but it actually turns out that she shot the guy. But like, that's right. I don't know. If in I the trailer, in the trailer, I thought she was gonna like accidentally pull the trigger, right? And, like and like, yeah. Like, why would I? I didn't mean yeah. to. <laughs> no, but that's like the point. It's like the this big bad guy in a way has been built up as this like really big bad guy, mm-hmm. and then he just completely becomes entirely inept at that point. Mm. Like literally becomes like the most inept. Forgets his idiot. bad guy skills. Yeah, he's like, oh, don't kill me, don't shoot me, and then they're like, they're like literally handing the gun back and forth to each other. And like, there's like five or six moments where he could have just gotten up and run off. You know what I mean? Oh and my gosh. Just stupid things like that. Yeah. It, it, so they needed it to go a certain way. You know what I mean? So uh, again, I just, I, I didn't think it was that great and that connectable. I, I texted you after seeing it and I said, you know, there's some movies where you see the trailer and unfortunately the funniest parts are in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And then I said to you, I think the funny, the unfortunate thing is the funniest movies about this movie weren't even in the movie because right. it just like wasn't funny <laughs> right, parts. Right, right. There was one part that I kind of chuckled at and it has to do with this, this situation where they meet this guy and you mm-hmm. know that he's, he's going to guide them through the jungle to like get back to, right. you know, the state department. Um, and you can tell that this guy's like kind of like a bit of a, like a doofus kind of dude. And the truth finally gets revealed and that's kind of funny. And then he does something right before his character literally is like and gone from yeah. the film. And that scene in and of itself was kind of funny. Yeah. But it was even that was just like a little bit of a chuckle. Yeah. It's not and then like it's kind of like gut laugh. Yeah. It's not like a gut laugh. I, still that, the, still yeah. the best comedy of the year, Guardians of the Galaxy. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed five times harder at Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy than I laughed at anything in this entire movie. And it wasn't even like you could make the excuse that maybe it was like Amy Schumer humor. 
which sounds rhyming, <laughs> uh, but it wasn't even her. Like she had a couple moments where she got crude and like, hey, if you want to see Amy Schumer's breast, you know, go watch this movie because that happens. Schumer humor. Yeah, but like even that was like, they were framing it like the guy's talking to her. He's like, oh, by the way, your breast is hanging out. And they're like framing her face. And you're like, okay, they're going to roll the camera down and like there's going to be her, her boob. And sure enough, they do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, you know, like everything is flagged and like staged and you know that this yeah. is going to go exactly where it goes. So it just, it wasn't shocking. It wasn't hilarious. It wasn't um, unexpected. It wasn't anything. It kind of like on a scale, all aspects on a scale of one to 10 hit like a four. You know, so, so what would humor, you... acting, uh, style, cinematography, okay. plot, everything just on a four. So is that, would you rate it 40? Yeah. So I put it about like a, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if I could give like an exact number between 50 and four, 40 and 50. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely a fail, but gotcha. it's not like worst movie ever fail. I gotcha. I gotcha. So, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, I, I, I mean, we talked about it before. I didn't really see a lot of hope for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But uh, no, good to know. Good yeah. to know. I think what have actually might have helped this movie is if they had if they had cut back on a couple of the characters, they had turned it into a PG thirteen movie, and they had made the humor more. Uh, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but less of the less of the stage dialogic like back and forth type humor and more situational humor. There wasn't any like funny scenes. Okay, there was like okay. two scenes, the two like the two or three scenes that actually were really funny were like the setups of the different scenarios right. in the scenes, but none of the dialogue, like gotcha. none of the dialogue I laughed at. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So there you go. Good to know. Well, that is our review or Joel's review, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I'm snatched. Go. I'm glad you were so fortunate enough to witness that. Yes. But um, so this next film that we're mm-hmm. going to talk about, uh, and I'm, I'm actually really glad you got a chance to see this, Joel, because yep. this is one that I that flew under the radar for me that I didn't realize till after we had talked about what was upcoming mm-hmm. that was coming out this weekend, and it's it, and it's called The Wall, yep. right? Yep. So I was actually kind of intrigued by this, and it actually looked good to me. It looked like um, I'm, I'm a fan of those like self-contained movies where they take place in one ish location for a yeah. long time. Yeah. I like I like the suspense and the and if you can keep me on the edge of my seat during a uh, a, a film while you're just at one location, then yeah. that's awesome. I'm super yeah. pumped. Ten Cloverfield Lane is a great example of mm-hmm. that. And, um, the, the wall came out and honestly it's getting, I just want to double check and make sure we're good. It's getting, uh, way better, um, reviews. It's like what? 60, 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah, A little bit lower for, uh, audience scores at 58. Right. So critically it's getting a little bit better reviews. Um, actually a lot better if you if you want to take into consideration it's snatched and King Arthur mm-hmm. it's doubling their scores or <laughs> tripling them in some instances yeah but um I I was excited to see this I, I still kind of want to see it but yeah. I mean what I'm gonna do my best to not spoil anything for you as okay. well. Okay, okay. And this is short too, isn't yeah. it? Like a short run. An hour time? and twenty one minutes, I yeah, think. So it it's was f- really short. Okay. I wasn't sure if I, I was like, I wanna go see another movie before we do the podcast. Yeah. But I didn't know what I had time for. Yeah. And I checked this one out and I was like, Whoa, that's short. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> go to that one. Yeah. So it fit perfectly. Um so this film I, I will say did, did the synopsis. Um it's a uh, two American soldiers are trapped by a lethal sniper with only an unsteady wall between them. Uh, it's directed by Doug Lyman. Um, it's 
stars Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, and... John Cena, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, uh, and Lath Knockley. Although Lath, um, I don't know if that's how pronounced either of his names are unfortunately, but uh, he's just pretty much a voice. You don't even see him. So okay, gotcha. he plays the sniper that's on the Afghani yeah. side and. Um, Sorry, the Iraqi side, not Afghani. Sorry. Oh, yeah. That's from our conversation. Baghdad. Baghdad, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he plays the Iraqi side. And so I literally just saw this movie, and we've talked about this before. I really don't like to just like go see a movie and then talk about it right. because I really, I'm, yeah, I'm the it's same still way. difficult for me to process some elements of it and put those into like specific words and as well as like looking up different aspects of the production. So I haven't had a chance to do that too much yet. So um, I will say these are my tentative thoughts. Maybe okay. we'll talk about it later after you get a chance to see it. Sure. And we can talk a bit more in detail. Um, I thought this movie was interesting. I, it So it takes place during the Iraqi war, uh, during the Bush, I think it's 2007 okay. is the setup for everything. And it's like at the end of the war sort of, mm-hmm. and there's still forces on the ground that are there. I don't think we got all of our forces out there until when Obama, after Obama had gotten elected, he pulled most or a lot more of the troops out of there. So, but the war has kind of ended in a lot of ways, and that's kind of a big part of the story here. They're talking about this, and so okay, I don't want to. Uh, it's difficult because I like it. There's thing. There's there's not a lot that happens. Okay, because again, they're they're pinned down. They're pinned down. Right. Um, one character in particular, um, Aaron Taylor Johnson. So I don't want to talk again about spoilers. So, but John Cena is rendered. I'm not gonna say if he's dead or alive or well, what, it, but the, in the, even in the trailers, it looks like he's he's alive on the ground. He's trying right. to get to him. He's rendered incapacitated, is right. what I will say. I'm not gonna say how or why, but he's rendered incapacitated. And then on the basis of that, it's most of the acting, most of the dialogue takes place bet- from Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. Um, and I would say that Aaron Taylor, I, I like him. I think he's really good. He was in. Um, Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal Animals. Animals. I thought he was really good in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talked about this before. He's gotten kind of a bad rap because of the Godzilla franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's becoming a franchise, but because of the first movie, he was kind of flat, a lot of people thought, and he's kind of wooden. He's not flat at all in this movie. And he wasn't flat at all in Nocturnal Animals. I thought he played a great character in that movie. I thought he deserved a nomination, if nothing else, for that role. Um, So in this movie, he's not flat at all either. He's very believable and realistic. And I think the huge thing with a movie like this, because it takes place in one primary location, is the dialogue and the characterization. You have to have strong dialogue and strong characterization, which is important to almost any film, but it is even more important for this kind of film because it's all about the dialogue and the conversation. Right. You know, And there was good dialogue. And I think that's one of the things that kept this is making this movie um, as good as it is and getting as good a rankings ratings as it is because there is realistic dialogue. There is really realistic, really um, relatability and conversation that happens because he's talking with this um, other sniper, sniper yeah. you know, that's an Iraqi and there's good back and forth. that's kind of happening there. And John Cena himself is also decent. Um, he's oh, cool. not amazing, but he's good in right. the role and he's believable as the character. Um, and everything that he does is, is pretty solid. Okay. You know, it felt awesome. like it felt very believable and understandable. Um, so some things that I kind of had some minor gripes and some issues with is that um, although it was very believable in regard to how this would probably play out for somebody that was under that set of circumstances, mm-hmm. there was definitely some manipulation in regard to specifically the Iraqi sniper. Okay. His role in the film and the dialogue. So... I feel like this is the kind of film where it didn't really have a strong 
message in a sense. Like it, it, it had a strong message, yeah. but it becomes a bit muddled because they're trying to make it about the war. They didn't execute to, it well in making it. Yeah, they're setting things up specifically with the Iraqi sniper, 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 <laughs> sniper in a somewhat unrealistic fashion. They're almost giving this guy, again, I don't want to spoil too much, but they're giving him almost this like godlike ability okay. to kind of just know what to do and know how to do it, know right. when to do it, know where to do it. And not only that, but his skills and his abilities are almost otherworldly. And I was looking at that as almost maybe that was like a message because this is the kind of film where because it takes place in one place, because they've only got one thing going on, it's very much can give you a strong message, right? a strong, because it, it, it's like, well, we don't have anything else going on. So we really have to tell you a story. There's very little character arc and character development throughout the course of the film. Like Aaron Taylor Johnson has a bit. Um, he kind of goes through a character arc, but his character arc is more of circumstances less than actually him moving forward. And so it right. comes across as a film that has a very strong, like intended potential message that they could be sharing that specifically has to do with like the Iraq war gotcha. and, and the occupation and what that meant. But it felt unrealistic to me because it felt like the Iraqi was not at all relatable. Okay. And so I was kind of wondering, and this is where I like to spend more time thinking about films so I can think about this type yeah. of stuff. But well, we can revisit it. Right. I was almost wondering if they were in a way trying to make the Iraqi like symbolic in a way. Like maybe they were trying to go for like a Hotels California type thing okay. because they they talk a lot about like why they haven't left and why he's still there in the war. Um, you don't really get an answer to that, you know, but I, I felt like maybe they were trying to have the Iraqis specifically say certain things at certain times to give you an impression of what the message was okay. for the overall story. Um, but I didn't take out of it a strong sense of what that message would be other than war is kind of bad yeah. and bad yeah, yeah, things yeah. happen because of war. And that's such a simple message which can be effective if done in the right way, but with this limited circumstance of just like kind of three people interacting with each other, it just didn't come across very strongly. Okay. You know what I mean? It okay. felt almost like they were just stuck in this circumstance. He was trying to get out of it, and that guy is just sitting there kind of trying to talk about really deep things when you're more concerned. Because the other the other side of this, which I had maybe a little uncomfortable, is that in order to in order to like get the message of it, in order to get the message out of it, you would kind of have to side with the Iraqi. Really? And okay. the Iraqi is killing American troops and has killed a bunch of other American troops. Right. And so in order to get, I felt like the message that you would out of it, you kind of had to see it from his perspective and understand where he was coming from. Gotcha. And it's like, I'm not comfortable doing that when he's sitting there killing a bunch of American soldiers. Right, right, You know right. what I mean? And that maybe is like a personal thing hmm. um, Interesting. That, that I wouldn't, you know, not everybody would get that out of it. Um, but I think that's kind of, I think the muddledness, especially, and I'm not, I don't want to spoil this at all, but especially with the end, because I think the strongest line in giving a message, in giving a purpose to the story happens at the very end and is very clear that he's trying to say something yeah. with that ending um, because there's like no music even through almost the entire, there's a little really? bit of like, wow. yeah, there's a little bit of an accompaniment at times. It's kind of like building tension and stuff, but there's a little bit at the very end and it, it feels very purposeful that they're doing that on purpose to kind of give you a sense of like, this is the important message. Like we're yeah. going to give you music here. So you recognize like, Hey, this is the important part. Pay attention to this. Right. So it just felt like they were kind of, yeah, like in a way kind of like trying to say like, well, listen to what this guy's saying and believe what he's saying. And it's like, whether or not 
I agree or disagree with the Iraq war. I'm not going to get into that, whether or not I do or I don't. It just felt like I felt very uncomfortable with siding with a guy that's killing a bunch of American soldiers. Interesting. I, so you know? I, and I don't know if it's even directly related because um, I recently watched um, Eye in the Sky. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Okay. It's actually a really fantastic movie. Um, mm. It has to do with like the morality of drone strikes, yeah. uh, collateral damage and those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that hesitation about not really being sure, like they want me to root for this person, but I don't know yeah. if I really should. Yeah. Um, that movie was great until like the last like one minute where they have this credit and they're really manipulating you to feel a certain way. Right. Yeah. But um, it, it reminds me of that a little bit as yeah. far as the message is concerned. Well, I think the that's what I was going to say. I don't know if I said it very effectively, but I I feel like maybe the reason why it's not getting amazing ratings is because the message was pretty muddled. Muddled. Okay. I think it was pretty unclear what exactly they were trying to accomplish with that message. Um, and I will say this as well. There are certain films with certain American soldiers at times that do bad things and do horrible things. Right. And in a way, it's like you can understand why in the film's context, it's justified for these soldiers to maybe get killed or something like that. I get that. So I'm not like just because they're American soldiers, right, right. they don't deserve to die. Right. But this is a very real film. It takes place in a real story which is a real event that occurred, you know, the Iraq war. They're real in, in, in a sense, real soldiers yeah. that are acting in a very honest and realistic fashion. And they're, they haven't done anything on the basis of the script to sort of deserve getting killed. They're just doing their duty. They're doing their job as a soldier in the American military and the armed forces. We're, so you're not going to, I'm not going to side against them. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe outside of the country, people will love it. Maybe in Iraq, they're like, oh my gosh, I love this movie. It's great. You were know? they, were there any like white knuckle moments? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. And that was another thing that I think they did a good job with. There was okay. definitely some suspenseful moments. There was nothing scary. Yeah. Like there was nothing like, duh, but, but kind like, of like, like Kind yeah, of, yeah, know. kind of moments where you're just like it's it's building suspense, like you it's like tightening, yeah, and you know something's gonna probably happen there, yeah, but you don't know exactly. Sorry, excuse right, me, exactly right. what? Yeah. So yeah, cool. What would so, you rate this thing? I would probably give this movie. I wish I had more time because it's hard. Give it a tentative say. score. Where you can revisit it later. I would give it a tentative score of a seventy nine. Really? Yeah, seventy eight. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, so I still it, want to check it out and so we yeah. can talk about it. Last thing I'll say, if it weren't for Aaron Taylor Johnson, I would not have given it his high score. He really does do it. In fact, he, I, I, in a way, I was almost like I didn't even believe it was him because oh, he's awesome. got like okay. a mannerism of speaking at times and stuff like that that's very very much him as a very – Yeah. Yeah, and it didn't even feel like him. So, oh, cool. Yeah. So, That's yeah. Awesome. Hopefully you get a chance to watch it. Yeah. And then we can maybe revisit just briefly and talk I'd about like it. I'd like to. I mean, it's a yeah. short movie. Yeah, it's, I mean, very it's 80 short. minutes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we can definitely try and hash that out, kind of like what we did with Life uh, last month. Yeah, um, sounds good. But yeah, anyways, that's that's good to hear. I still I want to check out the wall. Um, definitely was one of my uh, one of the ones I wish I could have checked out this weekend. But um, yeah, that's it. That's all mm -hmm. we have for the wall and uh, for today's reviews. There you go. Um, if you weren't listening earlier and you want to get connected with us mm -hmm. and check out this, we're gonna you know we're make sure it goes across all of our social uh, media platforms. Uh, our website. Uh, but yeah, you can reach out to us at uh, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's at Real Review Media. That's spelled R E E L. Uh, and then also on our website at realreviewmedia.com. And uh, feel free to email us. Let us know what you thought about these movies. I'm really curious is as to what you guys thought about King Arthur. If you saw it, which $14 million would suggest that not a ton <laughs> of people saw it. Yeah. But. 
I is it was it deserving of a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes? I certainly don't think it was, but let <laughs> me know what your thoughts were on that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and is there anything else you want to add to that, Joel? Nah, I think we're good. Nah, well, <laughs> anyways, it's it's been real. It's been real.